Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and you've reached the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I've been teaching seminary and institute for the last 11 years, and uh, this is an attempt to do a deep dive into the Book of Mormon itself. I'm hoping that you'll find this uplifting and edifying. This is not an official recording of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. So if you're ready for a deep dive into the Book of Mormon, here we go. Hi, and welcome back to the, uh, the, the Book of Mormon podcast. My name is Brad Constantine, and this discussion is going to be on 1 Nephi chapter 21. This also happens to be Isaiah chapter 49. So if you want to look at both of them, uh, have them both open. Now, chapter 20, as we talked about before, um, had to do with uh, the contract that Israel had with Heavenly Father. And this chapter is, the, is called the trial. And um, let me just get, kind of give you a summary here of what we're going to expect. The summons is verses 1 through 6. God's servants say, uh, my judgment is with the Lord. The plaintiff's charge is verses 7 through 13. The Lord declares that unlike Israel, he has kept and will keep his promises. Uh, verses 14, 21, and 24 is the defendant's plea. Israel offers excuses for her lack of faith in the Lord's promises. And then verses 15 to 20 and verses 22 to 23 and 25 to 26 is going to be the judge's verdict. Uh, the Lord assures Israel she will be redeemed. Uh, so that's kind of a synopsis of chapter 21, uh, which is called the trial. Um, let me just read you a couple things about this particular chapter. As I mentioned, this is also chapter 49 of Isaiah. Uh, Brother Monty Nyman said that chapter 49 was the most important chapter in Isaiah to the Latter-day Saints because it foretells the mission of the Latter-day Saints and the destiny of the land of America. This chapter needs to be studied diligently by every member of the church. Isaiah 49 is a most remarkable prophecy, one intended by the spirit of revelation to embrace multiple fulfillments. That's another thing about Isaiah's uh, prophecies, that they have multiple fulfillments. Uh, these things could have been uh, fulfilled in prior years, and then also uh, that they will have fulfillment in the last days. The Book of Mormon version of the prophecy, which contains significant textual restorations, greatly enhances our understanding of Isaiah's message and the workings of the spirit of prophecy. The text is a marvelous messianic prophecy, as well as a detailed description of Joseph Smith and the story of the Latter-day Restoration. It can also be properly argued that this prophecy applies to Isaiah, or that it is a description of major events in the history of the nation of Israel. Such interpretations are not inappropriate, as long as they do not obscure the great, its greater meaning as it applies to Christ and Joseph Smith. Since Nephi lived a considerable time before the coming of Christ, it was appropriate that he view this prophecy primarily as it applies to the coming of the Savior. Since we live in a considerable time after Christ's mortal ministry, it is appropriate that we see this prophecy primarily as it applies to events of our day. Isaiah's detailed knowledge of the Latter-day Restoration, the role of Joseph Smith, and the coming forth of the Book of Mormon sustained this conclusion. The Word of God is most durable. We will here interpret the prophecy as it applies to the prophet Joseph Smith, for such was the pattern of our Lord in the interpretation of Isaiah he gave among the Nephites in 3 Nephi chapter 21. All right, so at the beginning here, verses 1 through 7 is the song of the Lord's servant. Verse 1, And again hearken, O ye house of Israel, all ye that are broken off and are driven out because of the wickedness of the pastors of my people. 
This is a significant textual restoration. It establishes that though the prophet is addressing all the house of Israel, his message is more especially for that part of Israel that had been scattered, not through their own wickedness, but because of the corruption of the church in the old world. It was this corruption of the church and the temple priesthood that caused Lehi and his family to flee. Continuing verse 1, Yea, all ye that are broken off, that are scattered abroad, who are of my people, O house of Israel. And then Isaiah begins, Listen, O isles, unto me. Wickedness in the house of Israel caused the Lord to transplant various branches of the house of Israel throughout the world. And hearken ye people from far, the Lord hath called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. In other words, foreordained. All are entreated to listen to Joseph, the son of Joseph, who was ordained from before the foundation of the world. In other words, Joseph Smith. And he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me. Those called to establish the kingdom of God on earth in this last great gospel dispensation were the literal seed of Abraham, and as such were lawful heirs to the priesthood, whose lineage was preserved by the hand of God for this very purpose. The Lord's hiding Israel in the shadow of his hand is clarified in Doctrine and Covenants, where the Lord declares that the priesthood holders of this last dispensation are lawful heirs according to the flesh, and have been hid from the Lord with Christ in God. Section 86, verses 8 to 9 read, <coughs> Excuse me. Therefore, thus saith the Lord unto you, with whom the priesthood hath continued through the lineage of your fathers, for ye are lawful heirs according to the flesh, and have been hid from the world with Christ in God. This description of priesthood bearers as lawful heirs according to the flesh is a reference to the covenant which the Lord made with Abraham, that all nations of the earth would be blessed through the literal seed of his body, who would bear the ministry and the priesthood. Latter-day Israel is the literal seed of Abraham. The world did not know where scattered Israel was, but the Lord knew and had concealed them in his protective hand, and made me a polished shaft in his quiver hath he hid me. We will become fit to serve. Joseph Smith referred to this prophecy in relation to himself. I am like a huge rough stone rolling down a high mountain, and the only polishing I get is when some corner gets rubbed off by coming in contact with something else, striking with accelerated force against religious bigotry, priestcraft, corrupt men and women, all hell knocking off a corner here and a corner there. Thus I will become a smooth and polished shaft in the quiver of the Almighty. Verse 3, And said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel. The servant represented in this verse is the corporate personality of the covenant people. The church is the servant of the Lord, whom I, in whom I will be glorified. Verse 4, Then I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for naught, and in vain, yet surely... My judgment is with the Lord, and my work with my God. The servant laments that no one has listened to him, like many of others, like many others called to preside. Verse 5, And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb, that I should be his servant. Joseph Smith taught, Every man who has a calling to minister to the inhabitants of the world was ordained to that very purpose in the grand council of heaven before this world was. This is the underlying principle being discussed. Those born into the house of Israel received that lineage by the principle of foreordination. And so were all the prophets called to preach to them. Certainly, this applies to Israel, Isaiah, Jesus, Joseph Smith, etc. We should also include Jeremiah, for the word of the Lord to Jeremiah was, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Continuing verse 5, To bring Jacob again to him, Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glory, glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. 
And he said, it is a light thing. The gathering of Israel, as momentous as that is, appears to be a small matter or a light thing when compared with the taking of the light of the gospel to the Gentiles. That thou shouldst be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel, I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. The servant is destined to bless the whole earth, not just Israel. Section 86 of the Doctrine and Covenants was revealed to Joseph in December of 1832, only two and a half years after the organization of the church. It is one of many revelations that grew out of the prophet's study of the Bible. Perhaps Joseph had never considered the fact that he might have been mentioned in Scripture by biblical prophets. Nonetheless, he certainly knew by this time that the infant Latter-day Church was the kingdom of God and that its continued success was sure. Verse 7, Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, and his Holy One, to him whom man despiseth, to him whom the nation abhorreth, to a servant of rulers. Kings shall see and arise, princes also shall worship because of the Lord that is faithful. Now verses 8 through 12 is Israel's return in the last days. Verse 8, Thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time, or we might say in the spring of 1820, have I heard thee, the restoration began with Joseph Smith. O isles of the sea, and in a day of salvation, the meridian of time and the last days, have I helped thee, and I will preserve thee, and give thee my servant for a covenant of the people to establish the earth, restore the land Israel to return to their inheritance, to cause to inherit the desolate heritages, that thou mayest say to the prisoners, Go forth, to them that sit in darkness, show yourselves, they shall feed in the ways, and their pastures shall be in all high places. Elder Holland said, Christ brought freedom to mortal beings imprisoned by ignorance, sin, apostasy, and death. He also brought deliverance to those on the other side of the veil who had not heard the gospel, but would receive it in their spirit prison. Peter taught this clearly, and the whole of section 138 of the Doctrine and Covenants is devoted to this glorious doctrine. On both sides of the veil, the captives rejoice and praise their God as Christ throws wide the prison doors. Verse 10, They shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall the heat nor sun smite them. For he that hath mercy on them shall lead them, even by the springs of water shall he guide them. Wilford Woodruff said, If the elders of Israel had the vision of their minds open to see Zion in her beauty and glory, they would have no time to sin or do evil, but they would rise up in the, in the strength of the Lord God of Israel and accomplish all that he requires at their hands. Zion is yet in her weakness, but the little one shall become thousands, and the small one a great nation. We talk of the future of all of the promises of God to us. They are worthy to be they are worthy to be talked of, worthy to be lived for, and to rejoice over because they are true. I have an anxiety, a strong desire to see the people of the Latter Day Saints, the inhabitants of Zion, rise up and put on their strength. I desire to see them increase in the knowledge of the truth, in faith, in good works, and in the knowledge of the truth or the knowledge of the things of the kingdom of God. Verse 11, And I will make all my mountains away, and my highways shall be exalted. And then, O house of Israel, behold, these shall come from far. Uh, and think about this, uh, Israel is far away from where? Is, from, is far away from America. And lo, these from the north and from the west, meaning America, and these from the land of Sinim. Now, where's, where's Sinim? Sinim stands for distant lands generally. In the opinion of most scholars, it strictly signifies China. So it's the Israel is being sought out in China. Verses 13 to 21, the Lord com comforts his returning children. 
Verse 13, Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, for the feet of those who are in the east shall be established, and break forth into singing, O mountains, for they shall be smitten no more. For the Lord hath comforted his people, and will have mercy upon his afflicted. Both the heavens and the earth will rejoice at the gathering of Israel. Elder Holland said, This poetic passage provides yet another reminder of Christ's saving role, that of protective, redeeming parent to Zion's children. He comforts his people and shows mercy when they are afflicted, as any loving father or mother would toward a child. But as Nephi here reminds us through Isaiah, much more than any mortal father and mother could do, although a mother may forget her second child, as unlikely as any parent might think that could be, Christ will not forget the children he has redeemed or the covenant he has made with them for salvation in Zion. The painful reminders of that watch care and covenant are the marks of the Roman nails graven upon the palms of his hands, assigned to his disciples in the old world, his Nephite congregation in the new world, as to, uh, and to us in Latter-day Zion, that he is the savior of the world and was wounded in the house of his friends. Wilford Woodruff said, the Lord is going to comfort Zion. He is going to have mercy upon her afflicted ones. But Zion said, The Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. Can a woman forget her second child, saith the Lord? Yea, she may forget, but I will not forget thee. Behold, I have graved thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. This refers to the building up of Zion in the last days, the gathering together of the people, preparatory to the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 14, But behold, Zion hath said, The Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me but he will show that he hath not. For can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee, O house of Israel. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands, refers to the crucifixion of Christ in which nails pierced his hands and left scars that remained after his resurrection. Also, the clause is an allusion to an ancient practice of tattooing the palm with a symbol of the temple or some other sacred emblem to show devotion to that it might serve as a reminder of one's commitment. This is an idiomatic and graphic way for the Lord to say, You are constantly before me. I have not forgotten my covenant with you. Thy walls are continually before me. The walls of Jerusalem. Verse 17. Thy children shall make haste against thy destroyers, and they made, and they made thee waste and they that made thee waste shall go forth of thee. In the days when Israel shall be restored to her former blessings, the descendants of ancient Israel will quickly turn against their ancient enemies. Those who conquered and wasted Israel will, will depart. President Woodruff said, This Zion of the Lord in all its beauty, power, and glory is engraven upon the hands of Almighty God, and it is before his face continually. His decrees are set, and no man can turn them aside. There never was a dispensation on the earth when prophets and apostles, the inspiration, revelation, and power of God, the holy priesthood, and the keys of the priesthood were needed more than they are in this generation. There never has been a dispensation when the friends of God and the righteousness among the children of men needed more faith in the promises and prophecies than they do today. And there, there certainly never has been, has been a generation of people on the earth that has had a greater work to perform than the inhabitants of the earth in the latter days. That is one reason why this church and kingdom has progressed from its commencement until today. In the midst of all the opposition, oppression, and warfare which have been waged against it by men inspired by the evil one, 
If this had not been the dispensation of the fullness of times, the dispensation in which God has declared that he will establish his kingdom on the earth never more to be thrown down, the inhabitants of the earth would have been enabled to overcome the kingdom and Zion of God in this as well as in any former dispensation. But the set time has come to favor Zion, and the Lord Almighty has decreed in the heavens that every weapon formed against her shall be broken. Verse 18, lift up thine eyes round about and behold, all these gather themselves together and they shall come to thee. And as I live, saith the Lord, thou shalt surely clothe thee with them all as with an ornament and bind them on thee as a bride doeth. These are preparations for the marriage. For thy waste and thy desolate places in the land of thy destruction shall even now be too narrow by reason of the inhabitants. This gathering of Israel through the aid of foreign nations is taking place today. Since the church was restored in 1830, the Jewish population in the Holy Land has grown from 7,000 to over 3 million people, whereas in 1830, only one out of 500 Jews resided in Palestine. One out of five now live in the, in the modern state of Israel. And they that swallowed thee up shall be far away. Verse 20, the children which thou shalt have after thou hast lost the first shall again in thine ears say, the place is too straight for me, give place to me that I may dwell. The church has a difficult time keeping up with the demand for chapels and leadership because of its many converts. The stakes of Zion are gathering places for the saints. 21. When Then shalt thou say in thine heart, Who hath begotten me these? All will be surprised at the great numbers of the gathering hosts of Israel. The Lord will be victorious in numbers as in all things. Seeing I have lost my children and am desolate, a captive, and removing to and fro, and who hath brought up these? Behold, I was left alone. These were, ha where have these, where have they been? Where in the world did all these people come from? He's saying. Verse 22 to 26, Gentiles will assist returning Israel. Verse 22, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I will lift up mine hand to the Gentiles or non-Jews and set up my standard to the people of the United States of America, and they shall bring thy sons in their arms, and thy daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders. President Kimball said, The brighter day has dawned, the scattering has been accomplished, the gathering is in process. May the Lord bless us all as we become nursing fathers and nursing and mothers unto our Lamanite brethren, and hasten the fulfillment of this great promise to them. Verse 23, And kings shall be thy nursing fathers, and their queens be thy nursing mothers. The kings and queens may well be the righteous men and women who have entered into the covenants of the fullness of the priesthood in the temple of God. They shall bow down to thee with their face toward the earth and lick up the dust of thy feet, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord, for they shall not be ashamed that wait for me. Such persons will have their confidence waxed strong in the presence of God, for they will have no unresolved sins to cause them to be ashamed. 24. Shall the prey be taken from the mighty or the lawful captives delivered? But thus saith the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away, and the prey of the terrible shall be delivered. For the, for the mighty God shall deliver his covenant people. For thus saith the Lord, I will contend with them, with them that contendeth with thee, and I will save thy children. And I will feed them that oppress thee with their own flesh. They shall be drunken with their own blood, as with sweet wine, and all flesh shall know that I, the Lord, am thy Savior and thy Redeemer, the Mighty One of Israel. Your enemies are going to turn on each other. Speculative theories of various and sundry peoples going forth with a divine decree to destroy the wicked and, faith, and faithless are without scriptural foundation. 
So this is the end of chapter 21, and aren't you just excited that you got through a couple of chapters of Isaiah? See, he's pretty easy to understand, isn't he? It helps to uh, have interpretations, and chapter 22, which we'll get into next, is Nephi's commentary on the two chapters of Isaiah. So that'll make it easier for us to understand as well. I bear testimony of the truth of the gospel, and as we study the scriptures, we'll be able to better understand them. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. If you like this, you can like it or share it or... Um, Subscribe. Thank you. See you next time.